Who are the top five NFL draft quarterback prospects for the 2022 class? And where does Matt Williamson have them in his latest mock draft? Coming up right now. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson. Thanks for making us your first listen right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's draft season. It's draft mode. Matt Williamson putting on his GM cap the former NFL scout uh, I know it's fun to uh, to talk draft and we we get so much into team building here Matt so now we get to see where exactly you are at with this draft class as we approach the combine rapidly which you will be at in Indianapolis next week which is going to be a lot of fun can't wait to see your insight from Indy and I think we'll get a lot more excited about some of these prospects maybe we'll see some separation from some prospects here Matt but today let's get into your top five quarterbacks in the NFL draft we'll look at where those quarterbacks landed in your latest mock draft as well I think that'll be a fun exercise yeah 100 percent um I will say you know I think the combine will hear a lot we'll see a lot uh, I bet my mock will be noticeably different post combine. And, you know, anytime you do a list or a mock draft or anything like that, I mean, I, I did this one like 10 days ago or a week ago. I'm looking at things like, I don't think it'll go that way, but, you know, I mean, I, maybe I'd have made, even make changes to this one possibly. There's, I think there'll be more quarterbacks than I had going, but I also think a lot of these teams, like the Saints, like the teams we talked about yesterday, are going to just going to grab a free agent, Winston Mariota or whoever, and maybe not get super involved in this quarterback class. You know, in, in last off season, when the Panthers and the Broncos, who were drafting, I think what eight and nine, right in the first yeah, round, yeah. even after they went out and got Sam Darnold and Teddy Bridgewater, I wasn't convinced that they were going to go. I thought they were still going to draft quarterbacks at those spots. You know, I wasn't mm-hmm. convinced that that was their plan. And it turned out to be their plan in a better quarterback class. So this year, when we see those moves made, I think that'll pretty much tell us, okay, maybe this team is not really looking at this quarterback class in the first round. And I wonder, when you come back from Indy, will you be telling us, okay, it's it's you know Pickett and Willis. They, 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 those are one and two. That Those are the names. Or this, there's this one name that all the GMs are talking about, that all the scouts are talking about. This guy is the, the most common name I'm hearing as the top quarterback in this class. Or, and I have a feeling it's going to be this way, where you come back and be like, I, every single person I talked to had a different quarterback <laughs> yeah. as their number one. And, you know, five or six guys were listed as the top quarterback by different people I talked to. I bet it's the latter. I'll be interested and I'll be all ears to soak up as much information as I possibly can about that. But just the way this is laid out, it, it just seems like it's probably going to be what flavor ice cream do you like? Is strawberry really better than chocolate? And the only curveball is I could just see Willis. If it's anyone that's going to stand out, I think it's Willis. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is where this is where those players make those impacts on people's minds and sometimes they make the impact on the mind of the media more so than the teams who already start to have their opinions uh, solidified and and you're you're never you're always supposed to go back to the tape right and you're only supposed to adjust things very minor based on what you see and hear at the combine what you learn about a player in meetings um, and workouts and, and you know you're checking boxes and things like that but a player like and I think Desmond Ritter, to a certain extent, and a lot of these quarterbacks have a, at least one trait. Where you're like, okay, there's some athleticism there. There's you know a big arm. Let's see what oh, it looks yeah, like compared yeah. to the other guys. They all have a little something. But I feel like Willis 
and and maybe even Ritter to an extent. Ritter has an opportunity to really go instead of being okay. He's a round two quarterback. Ah, maybe he is a round one quarterback. Maybe he's QB three. Maybe some team likes him more than any of the quarterbacks in this class. But you're right. It's Willis that could go out there and really show out because he's got the most athleticism and I think he's got the biggest arm. And when you put that together and you see these guys throw side by side, coaches are going to say, "Yeah, I want one of those." Yeah, I think so. And you mentioned coaches. I mean, to me, that's a key too. Is Coaches aren't involved in the process until their job of coaching is over for the year. So, especially the playoff teams, these guys get you know really late to the party. Um, and and as you mentioned, Sam Howe, Ritter. I mean, all these guys have some traits that I'm sure quarterback coaches and offensive coordinators and offensive-minded head coaches would say, "Oh, I can work with that guy." Let's get into it then. Who are your top five quarterbacks in this class? Do you want to count them from five to one or one to five? Doesn't matter to me. Well, you, the way you wrote it for your article is five to one. So let's start there. And first of all, if number five for you is Sam Howell out of North Carolina, who was the guy that just missed for you? Who were, was there, were there anybody Carson pushing? Strong. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Carson Strong to me just missed. Um, and that's not even including what his evaluations on his knee are. That's going to be critical for him next week. Um, but he's just a little too archaic in terms of pure pocket Drew Bledsoe type, you know, um, I think strong could be a starter. I think there's six guys in this class that could be starters, including strong, but I left him off just because the movement skills just uh, aren't there on par with these other guys. Sam Howell coming in at number five on your list of top five quarterbacks pre combine. Uh, is there anything Sam Howell can do to jump up for you in this list? Or was a somewhat of a disappointing season in 2021 enough for you to be like, yeah, I'm not exactly sold on him being my franchise signal caller because there was a lot of people that had him very high in mock drafts coming into the season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think he'll throw the ball very well at the combine. I think he's maybe the best deep passer in this class. Um, they, I don't know what he can, any of these guys can really do to improve their stock, you know, I mean, drastically because, you know, without killing an interview or destroying themselves in an interview or some kind of medical, because unfortunately, and Hal's a good example of this, a lot of these college offenses don't show you everything you want to see, you know, like in North Carolina, you watch how, especially with all the guys he lost to the pros, you know, moving on this past year, it was a lot of RPOs or deep shots, and he's good at both. And if that didn't work, he ran. And he ran a lot more this past year than the year before. He's not going to make anyone, you know, he's not going to resemble Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson, but he has good straight line speed. He'll stick his helmet in someone's, you know, breastplate, and he's an aggressive player, thickly built. Uh, another theme with these guys is a lot of short quarterbacks. Yeah, this is one of the shortest quarterback classes I can remember. They're all just teetering yeah. at the just over six feet mark, but I think they all did get over six feet, right, at the Senior Bowl? So I think so, okay. yeah. Yeah, because Willis was uh, like huge six news, feet and a half. Yeah, and I think Hal was six, I think even shorter than Willis, but over six feet, right? And then uh, and here's another one. So number four for you is the big unknown here, the underclassman in Matt Corral out of Ole Miss. Uh, I don't really know where to rank him. Maybe he's yeah, the one that has the most to lose or gain in the offseason process. Some things worry me about him, in, and this is kind of a Zach Wilson comment. Not built great, you know, and he's really aggressive, and he's a runner, and he's really competitive. He's going to take shots because of his style of play, and I don't know how well he's built to handle that. And 
probably coincidentally, he's injured as we speak, you know, or coming off one. Also another guy that was very RPO oriented at Mississippi. Um, but man, I, I love the way he competes. He's got a quick little uh, Zach Wilson like release, actually that, that quick little snap it off and gets it out of there. He's real twitchy with everything he does. Um, teammates apparently love him. I guess he's overcame some things in his background too, and shows toughness in that way. Maybe he's the big winner next week. As long as that medical checks out, mm-hmm. which is probably the biggest check mark that he needs to uh, check off there in in Indy and and size too. I'm curious what he height and what his right, height is. Right? Yeah, because I think yeah. he's the lightest of the group. He needs to, you know, it's just so hard to walk into the NFL at 205 pounds. You know, right? Like right. he needs to show up at 215. Be like, okay, six one two fifteen. Now we're now we're talking. Yeah, I mean, when he goes up on the podium to get height and weight, I mean, you'd hope he's got some some mass to him. I think I mentioned that with Howe, but Howe has a, a thick build. I mean, he almost looks like a like a hockey player, like a mm-hmm. square build, thick all the way through, you know, and Corral's a little leaner, which actually brings us to the next guy, Desmond Ritter, who to me looks like he, he looks like a big wide receiver. He does. He's built like a wide receiver, and he's been thin forever. So if he was going to get thicker because, uh, you know, he's a senior, he went back to school last year, you yeah, know, he didn't have young, to. He could have been a, you know, probably a high second-round pick. I, I think he would have gone ahead of – Trask and Mond. I don't know if he would have cracked the top five quarterbacks last year, but uh, he had a lot of helium and could have gone into the draft last year, and he didn't. He came back, and he still looks very thin, so he's just going to be a thin guy. He's listed at, uh, what, 6'3", 207 here, um, but there's a lot to like, and the thing that jumps out to me with Ritter is he's got a good arm. He throws a pretty ball. He has some touch. He's athletic, so he brings you all of that, and he won. Like Cincinnati is not a powerhouse college yeah. football program. He elevated the program, and and that stands out to me. That's something that excites me. If I'm a GM, I'm like, okay, this guy changed the course of an entire program. Yeah, and his teammates and coaches swear by him. He does all the little things well uh, in ter- off the field and, and work habits and things like that. And he seems to get better every year. I mean, those are great traits you know i mean if, if he's gonna keep climbing and keep climbing and gets better at a little thing every year that, that goes a long way down the road um people will often cite that random misses you know i mean just some accuracy what was that and i think he's gotten better with that but that's the number one concern um i've heard he's gonna test very well in indianapolis he's a hard guy to find major negatives on but i'm not sure his strengths are also gonna blow you away either it's interesting because I saw so many different reports from him at the Senior Bowl, and I think he started the week poorly, but then he ended the week really well. So some people say he had a right. terrible Senior Bowl. Some people said he had a great Senior Bowl, and he was really good in the game once that actually happened too. So, uh, you know, the, the the fact that he got better as the week went on, I think is probably a good sign, and, and maybe he helped himself in Mobile in that way. Yeah, it was something I just mentioned too. You know, he got better every year at Cincinnati too. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think it – it's important to him. You know, I mean, if you're going to get better in every facet that you do, maybe you don't start great, but by the end of the week, you're a real force. I think that shows a lot about the player, the competitor, the teammate, you know, so that's a big deal and leads to wins. For those listeners that follow the NFL draft, they probably know who number one and two are right now, but they don't know the order. Let's find out who Matt Williamson's number one and two quarterbacks are in order before the combine starts next week. That'll come up next here, and uh, Matt will tell us why he has one quarterback prospect over the other. Then let's check in where these quarterbacks land in Matt Williamson's latest mock draft. Football season might be over, but that doesn't mean that's the end of your ability to bet on the NFL. 
There are Super Bowl futures, NFL draft props, more and more NFL draft props coming as we get closer to April. And oh yeah, basketball season in full steam, both pro and college hoops. The NCAA tournament is coming up, which is always fun to wager on. The latest odds, totals, player performance props, where you find the next fired coach, where uh, quarterback prospects are going to land in the NFL draft, which is what today's program is all about. You can bet on all of those things at betonline.net, the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores and news this season. It's not just about basketball or football. BetOnline has Hockey, boxing, UFC lines, Olympic coverage was great at Bet Online, and your favorite Vegas casino games as well. Poker, blackjack, yeah, you got it at betonline.net. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and all the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, who's number two, who's number one for you, and, and what was the big separator with these two quarterbacks? First of all, it de- I mean, I'm doing these generically. So Pickett and Willis are very different stylistically. You know, one is a quick processor, accurate, you know, Pickett, of course. And one's a supreme athlete that played against poor competition that is very, very gifted. And also both guys are very bright from what I understand, depending what you want. I, you know, in a vacuum, generically speaking, prefer the high upside guy. I just think if Willis hits... His ceiling is much higher than Pickett and is the highest ceiling in this class. And sort of a Trey Lance-like manner. I mean, I don't know how much he's going to play in his rookie year. That's unimportant to me. But while he does, he's got a lot of traits. Much like Josh Allen is a comparison I've often used for Willis, even though they don't look similar at all in terms of how they could come in the league and win early on while they refine their other talents, particularly as a passer and reader of defense and speed of the game at this level where I think Pickett will come in and probably start from day one. Um, the Pickett hand size thing is obviously uh, a conversation. You can put as much weight in that as you want. But he's a well-built guy. He's very mature. People rave about him, and I know people that know him being a Pittsburgh guy and a Pitt guy and all that. Um, very accurate. But he also had a very old offensive line at Pitt and didn't handle pressure as well as you would like and wasn't under a ton of pressure because he had a lot, you know, very established offensive line there at Pitt. Um, I like him. I, I just think that he's 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 destined to be in the Cousins Tannehill tier. That's not the worst place to be, but it's that's not. that's probably not what you're trying to get if you're drafting the quarterback top ten, right? Which is where. Uh, where things get dicey in this draft and how teams will value those things. But really, you mentioned one thing that we haven't said about any of these quarterbacks and we might not say about any of them except for Pickett is this is the one guy who might be able to start week one, year one. Yeah, that's a hard thing for me to speculate on, but I would say Pickett's probably the most likely of that group. Like, I I, I mean, I envision Pickett, and this isn't top 10, kind of like you just mentioned. You know, we had that good conversation with Ross Jackson, you know, last week about the Saints if they were to use the 18th pick on Pickett, especially if you know Sean Payton was there in the dome, I think that's a, the type of quarterback, you know, sort of in the Drew Brees manner, but he's a Hall of Famer, you know, that w- would make a lot of sense in the dome, get it out quick, well-designed stuff, get it to Kamara, get it to Thomas. Um, but if he gets thrust in a bad situation, 
I think some limitations could really show here. And unfortunately, that happens to first-round quarterbacks a lot. I think sometimes the hand size thing is overrated, and that's going to be, you know, day one of the combine, Pickett's hand size is going to be the biggest story mm-hmm. in Indy, which is a super weird thing to say, but that's just the way the NFL draft <laughs> is, works. Right, right. Uh, and I'm interested in it because now I want to know. And he's got, like, this double-jointed thumb, apparently. and he didn't, I don't know what to make of that. Yeah, he didn't measure whatever, his hand right. at the Senior Bowl. He's trying to do some exercises, so he has the best, you know, gives the proper measurement at the combine. Uh, and, look, if people don't want nine you know, I think nine and a quarter is really what the NFL teams want, just to be able to just to know that you can control the NFL ball, and it's harder to to hold on to and throw the NFL ball than it is the college ball. And look, if it's a, if he has small hands by NFL, because nine inch hands is big by human standards, but for NFL standards, not the biggest hands for NFL quarterbacks. No, but if it comes in like line, yeah. eight and a quarter, then maybe you know, if it's really if they're really small hands, I could see that being a red flag for teams. But if it's mm-hmm. nine flat, you know, whatever, uh, even if it's just under nine. But if it's barely eight inches, I think then maybe uh, you might have to have some conversations. So in some ways, yes, hand size overblown because it seems like every year there's one quarterback. Oh, he's got small hands. Um, uh, but last year it was Burrow. Right. It was Burrow. Burrow. It was, it was, right. I remember Alex Smith back in the day, his entire first mm-hmm. five years of his career is like, well, he had small hands, so they shouldn't have drafted him. It was a stupid pick. You know? And his was like nine and a quarter. So um, we'll see what it looks like for Pickett as long as it's not ridiculously Crazy. small. And he was he had a glove on his throwing hand for a reason, right, in college. So Yeah, he wears two gloves. I, you know? th- this might be the one case where it's actually a worry, and, and usually it's not for me. A lot of it would be, where do I play my home games? You know, if I'm Green Bay hmm. or if I'm New England or, you know, depending what area of the country I'm going to play in, that would worry me, weather. Um, and maybe he it, just it, slides it to the Saints who are like, cool, we're I in a dome and yeah. nobody traded up to get him and he felt us, so now we'll take him because we feel good about it. Yeah, most of our games aren't in weather. You know, I mean, that that makes that's one of the reasons I mentioned that. It worries me a little more than you indicated there, and maybe it's just some of the old school. Grew up in Pittsburgh, you know, watching Roethlisberger all these years with big hands and strong, and you know, um, driving the ball through the weather and scouting for the Browns. Like, I mean, in the AFC North, that that kind of crap matters. Um, right. Todd McShay did a little uh, study on this, or just citing some things. Michael Vick's really the only one in history with below nine inch hands that went on to have a successful career. And obviously he's a unique specimen. Um, There are several in that nine to nine and a half range that have been just fine. Tannehill, Burroughs, the shining star of that group. You mentioned Alex Smith. I'm sure Pickett's not going to be over nine and a half. I mean, it's still going to be in the negative column. Just how prevalent i mean if it's under nine i'm gonna go hmm i don't know about that yeah if, if whatever and, exercises and my, he did got him to exactly nine we can forget about it it's not a huge deal but yeah you start getting into the eights maybe maybe it is a little bit of a a worry for some teams yeah and i know people be like well williamson you grew up in your hometown and weather's bad i'm like yeah but this isn't green bay this isn't minnesota this isn't north dakota state and the college season ends really before the weather gets nasty. I mean, the Steelers play a much worse weather than Pitt does. And Pitt played North Carolina here late in the season, and the weather got really bad. And in the second half, Pickett was noticeably worse than the first half. And the bad day at the Senior Bowl with the weather, it was his worst day. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a couple instances here where to cite. And the biggest thing is the NFL ball. You can say, okay, it never bothered him his entire career. Well, he didn't play with an NFL ball his entire career until now. And there's a reason Deflate Gate happened. 
the greatest quarterback of all time, Tom Brady, had some trouble gripping the ball sometimes, liked it to be a little bit flatter than maybe uh, the league wanted it to be. So it matters with the NFL ball, and it is much different catching a ball, catching the NFL ball, throwing the NFL ball, holding on to it as a runner or as a quarterback in the pocket, getting it knocked out uh, than the college ball. I mean, that's just clear. And if you already had to wear gloves in college, the, the, it's it's on the it's on the worry meter. It is on the meter. It is. It is. Malik Willis is your quarterback one in this class, Matt, before we hit the combine. And I don't think his stock is going to get worse unless he just is throwing balls into the seats uh, in Indy during these drills and workouts because I think he looks the part, 220 pounds. I know he's under 6'1", but he's 220 pounds. He's over 6 feet tall. That's plenty. I think the, the height thing doesn't matter as much to NFL personnel folks uh, as it used to especially if you're a good athlete like yeah. a wilson or a breeze that can find spot you know throwing lanes great you know, athlete he's throws. built like yeah. russell wilson he's built like a taller russell wilson essentially mm-hmm. uh, you know thick and, and uh and got a cannon of an arm and the most athletic quarterback in this class he's probably going to wow people and probably earn a lot of fans especially from the coaches who are late to this process and he might have already started to do that at the senior bowl he's your qb1 the question is how high can he go and next, we'll find out exactly how high you think he goes in your latest mock draft. But uh, just real quick, what is your thoughts on Malik Willis? Why is he number one? I'm infatuated with what he might become. Again, in a Josh Allen-like manner, um, there's some bad things. He's not the tallest guy um, at Liberty. You know, he could hold the. He was by far better than everybody else. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you could, not that he even developed bad habits, but he didn't have to develop as a anticipatory thrower. He could always make whatever defensive lineman was coming after a miss and buy an extra second or two in the pocket while his guys came free. You know, so he'll have to be a lot more precise with his reads and getting it out and and ball placement and, and, and anticipation. But you mentioned, I think he's built like a running back. I mean, a bigger Russell Wilson's a good comp, you know, in terms of his size. He's very, very strong. And I look at him and think, you know, the second he gets drafted, he's going to be, what, the second or third best running quarterback in the league or immediately, you know? And, uh, I mean, the, the Eagles just had success and went to the playoffs with Hurts, and I think Hurts isn't close to the prospect Willis is. Next, let's check into Matt Williamson's Mock Draft 2.0, where the quarterbacks went. Maybe have a, a short conversation about the top of the draft because we can't go too long here. And why Malik Willis went where he went and could, could, after hearing all of what Matt just said about Malik Willis, gushing about his potential, could we see him even creep up into the top seven or so picks in this draft? That coming up next. The most important thing you can do, whether you're still trying to hang on to that New Year's resolution later into the year, or just trying to get into shape, or just trying to eat a little bit marginally healthier every single day, the best thing you can do is make Built Bars part of your plan. High in protein, low calorie, low sugar snacks that taste great, and you can feel good about eating them. Here is the key. Go to all your secret hiding spots for all your snacks and get rid of the junk. Get rid of it so there's no temptation. And when you do have that temptation, replace it with a built Bar. So you can feel good about the snack you're eating and get that high protein with a low-sugar, low-net-carb snack. Whether it's your desk at work or your purse or your glove box in your car or your pantry at home. Wherever it is where all the junk hangs out, replace it with built Bars. Covered in 100% real 
chocolate. Not sure what flavor you want? Get a mixed box of Built Bars. I recommend the peanut butter, but tons of flavors to choose from at Built.com. Go to the website Built.com right now. Use promo code LOCKED15 and you can get 15% off your order. That is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Matt, looking at Matt Williamson's Mock Draft 2.0. We're not going to go through the whole thing here. Uh, We will do some more Mock Draft Mondays, though. I'll have some. Matt will have some mocks leading up to the NFL Draft. Let's just talk about where the quarterbacks were landing here. And I want to start with Malik Willis. You don't have him as your first quarterback in this mock, even though he's personally your favorite quarterback. And we just talked about how maybe some teams will get super excited seeing him versus the rest of the guys and think, this is the only quarterback I want in the first round. Could that potentially push him up as high as, say, Number two overall, even to the Detroit Lions, the first teams that first team that needs a quarterback in this draft. Number one, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't think anybody's trading up to one because of the cost. The Jags are going to have to make a decision between Aiden Hutchinson and Evan Neal. Uh, m- m- most likely, I think those are going to be the top two mm-hmm. guys, and I think those two guys will show out pretty well at the combine as well. Um, by the way, short conversation, Matt. Can can you give me a yes or no? I know it's not your strong point, but uh, we talked about hand size. What about arm length for pass rushers? I'm definitely a believer in arm oh, length for pass rushers. That, Aiden Hutchinson, I think, is going to work out really well, but the question for him is arm length. That comes in sub, you know, 33, 32 inches where teams want it. Does that hurt him for you quite a bit? Arm length for pass rushers to me is crucial. I I, I think athletic traits for edge pass rushers are true are crucial including size and length maybe more so than any position that'll be the big key there Aiden Hutchinson arms Kenny Pickett hand size you've got them go both going pretty high in your mock draft you started it with Evan Neal offensive tackle from Alabama who's going to show out at the combine he's a freak of nature too uh, which is why I think those two players will go one and two you have Neal one to the Jags Aiden Hutchinson edge to the Detroit Lions at two. And it's interesting because last week I asked you where you would place the over under for quarterbacks in this class. And I, I said 10 and a half and you said, oh, I would definitely take the under. You said you'd place mm-hmm. it more like, you know, six and a half. But then in your very own mock draft, right. you had a, gonna... the first quarterback off the board was at 11 and you actually had Kenny Pickett going at number 11 to the Washington Commanders. Yeah. And frankly, I wish I had more quarterbacks in this mock but as you're making the picks I just keep going well I think the Jets are going to take this guy I think Panthers would take this guy and it didn't work out that way I'm sure I'll get some heat Williamson you set this up so your Steelers can get the guy you wanted that wasn't my intentions Um, I do think teams like the Saints have a good chance of fixing the quarterback problem or addressing it before the draft so I didn't have them taking one Um, you know so that's that's there's, there's some of the sticking points there um Quick little nugget, though, to because you mentioned could guys like Willis maybe even get in that conversation at two. That would be a little rich for me, especially with the Lions saying we have a late first and an early second that we could probably land a Ritter or a Corral or who knows there. And I'm not going to pass on Hutchinson when I have that in my back pocket. But I do think at six is when things get really interesting with Carolina. I mean, that's an aggressive organization. They've already been linked to Trubisky and Cousins. And if they don't land somebody, there's no way they're just going to roll with Darnold. I think that could be a quarterback. And if that starts to be well-known, are people calling the Giants at five then to move up? You know, we know how this works. There's a ripple effect then. Yeah, yep, exactly. And, I mean, on the surface, because we talk about how maybe teams could get aggressive and, and start getting crazy with quarterbacks earlier on. But, man, if Justin Fields last year ends up going 11, 
Justin Fields would be number one in a heartbeat in this class, or you know, yeah. maybe, maybe number two in this class in a heartbeat. Maybe even teams trading up with the Jaguars at number one to get him. It's hard for me to say, wow, any of these quarterbacks should go higher than 11 in this class if uh, if That's there were teams that, that needed quarterbacks that right. passed on Justin Fields and Mac Jones last year. It's a tremendous point, but Daniel Jones went fourth or fifth. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Nobody loved him coming out. It only I takes mean, one. It only takes one yeah. team, and that, that yeah. year was the New York Giants, and everyone's like, "Oh, the Giants love him." It's like, "Ah, oh, no, they don't love him that much." That's that doesn't pass the sniff test, and apparently they did love him that much, and they drafted him there. Maybe another team wouldn't have done that, and um, and teams get a little antsy. And you mentioned right, the right. Panthers, who were so interesting because they have money tied into Sam Darnold. Can they afford to even go with one of the veteran quarterbacks? It would be ideal for them if they could get a young quarterback who's cost-controlled instead of spending the money on one of these quarterbacks and the draft capital. Because essentially, if they went and got that quarterback, that probably means they're not drafting at six anyway, right? So it's either right, right, right. either they don't have pick six, or maybe they'll talk themselves into using pick six on Malik Willis. Yeah, maybe Seattle is at six, and they say, oh, we'll take Willis. Yeah. You know, I mean, so I think that's when it gets interesting. And it's not like the top five are Bosa, Ramsey, you know, I mean, that there are just elite prospects you can't pass. But I just think that people aren't going to trade up to the top five, probably. But right around six, it starts to get pretty interesting. And even seven, since the Giants just made a pick. Maybe they'll say, we, we're real happy with our first pick. We'll move the 10 and, and, you know, move down a handful of spots or whatever. Even Atlanta and Denver to round out the top 10 potentially could go quarterback. And I think a lot of teams, because of how we laid out this class, because maybe all five, six quarterbacks don't fit into the first round and, and very likely won't, th- at the end of the first round is where there could be a lot of movement. And um, right. the end of the first round is where you have your other two quarterbacks going. First of all, Homer alert here, guys. I mean, I stop know. the presses. Matt Williamson has his favorite quarterback falling all the way to number 20 to the Pittsburgh Steelers, drafting Malik Willis. I love the fit, but maybe the Steelers would have to be that team that trades up. In this case, maybe they go up to 10, right, to get in front of 11 would be the obvious spot to draft Malik Willis. But I could see, I mean, it's not impossible. I could definitely see Malik Willis falling here and have seen some other teams that, like, pick it better. Um, But, I mean, it's a perfect fit, right? And this is the, and you talked about the the reality of doing a mock draft and then saying, oh, Malik Willis won't fall to 20 to the Steelers. Then you start doing the mock draft, and it just doesn't fit in a lot of places, especially without trades. So. Malik Willis, the fit finally meets there, and I think it is a perfect fit for the Steelers if that did indeed happen. Right, like very well. I mean, I have Washington take a picket. They easily could have taken Willis, and you know, this isn't even a conversation. You know, fine, uh, that that absolutely could happen. But once you get past Washington, I mean, the, between that pick and the Steelers pick, the Eagles select three times. I don't think they're going to grab them, and maybe they combine those picks and send them for Russell Wilson or something. That's possible. I mentioned the Saints, but I think they're going to probably bring back Winston you know they, they pick at 18 I don't think the Browns and especially the Ravens are going to take a quarterback and I know the Chargers aren't like there's not a lot of landmines there you know between 11 and 20 especially if only one quarterback's off the board that's where this is going to get a lot of fun on draft days the second half mm-hmm. of the first round I think you've got all of those first rounders for the Eagles, I put money that they don't draft in those three spots, whether they're moving up, moving down. Right, uh, right. They traded them all away for uh, another quarterback from another team, you know, a team trying to get in front of 
the Steelers at 20. And here's the one for me is your third and final quarterback going in round one. You have three going. You have the Detroit Lions taking Matt Corral at 32. This would be a fun bet because the Detroit Lions pick at two in 32. I'd be willing to bet money, a lot of money, that the Lions pick a quarterback in the first round of this class, and it's at neither two or 32, right? So uh, essentially, this is the situation where the Lions either have to move up to thwart a trade or a team goes up in front of the Lions knowing they're so likely to take a quarterback at 32 that there's that late first round movement there. So even though it makes sense, it'll make sense to every GM and every team that are doing their own draft projections, trying to figure out where they have to be on draft day to get their quarterback movement in front of the Lions at 32, I think is extremely likely. And it might be the Lions themselves that go up so they don't get beaten to that quarterback from another team that tries to go over the top of them. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense as well. Because, I mean, you're in the playoff team neighborhood. Most of those playoff teams don't need a quarterback. Although, I guess Tampa could. I mean, uh, you know, strange situation there. I mean, with the, their stud retiring. But you're probably right. Um, my hunch is, you know, the Lions will look at it like this. Like, they're going to have a defensive end, likely Hutchinson, in the books at that point. You know, and then they have a wait. But then they're going to look at it like we have 32 and I assume they have 34, the second pick in the in the second round. And that would be great to add a quarterback and a wide out. But I want the quarterback to be the one on with the fifth year option opportunity, you know, so I want to make sure I get one. And if by chance the fourth guy falls at 25 or 26, you might be like, well, I don't want to be shut out on that. Maybe I'll move up from 32 to 25 or whatever. Yeah, or it could be the opposite where the Lions are like, well, look, only two quarterbacks are off the board and it's in the mid-20s. Unless something happens right now in front of us, we can wait because we like quarterback three, four, and five pretty close. So we'll take Ritter if Corral's gone or we'll take Howell if they're both gone or something like that. So maybe that would just put them at ease and know that they don't have to move up just because there's a very good likelihood that one of those top five guys will still be on the board at 32. They just might not have their choice. Yep. I, I think Lions fans would be really happy with Hutchinson, Ritter, and Olave to start the second round. You know, like, mm-hmm. that's, yeah, and that's a nice influx of p- positions that are hard to, you know, that you need. Yeah. Those are impact positions and a ton of talent that the Detroit Lions absolutely need. And maybe they need so many players that maybe trading up isn't prudent because they need as many top 50, you know, prospects as they can get to try to build that roster out. I mean, they need safeties and, you know, they need linebackers and they, they need everything. So maybe moving up is not the move for them. Yeah. You know, Alave is kind of a nice fit across from St. Brown, who they developed there. Yeah. I, I think it would be a nice number two, number one. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Somebody can get downfield, you know, because yes. I think St. Brown's a slot-ish guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hawkinson and Swift aren't burners because they're running backs on court, you know, tight ends. But yep. uh, a 6'2 guy that can get downfield to me would make sense. That would make absolutely a ton of sense for the Detroit Lions. I like it. It's going to be a fun draft year. It's a very different draft class, maybe not as top-heavy, which I think will add to more intrigue and make mock drafts even more difficult. We'll continue to check into Matt Williamson's mock drafts every couple of weeks here. I will start doing some mock drafts as well I really want to get deeper into these prospects though this is the latest I've ever gotten into the draft and really had a solid idea so um, I'm still working hard on these prospects and trying to figure out who I like and inform my own opinions and I think Indianapolis will help me do that as well so uh, post combine I'll have a mock draft coming pretty soon here as well and we'll, we'll have more and more mock draft Mondays leading up to the NFL draft more Matt Williamson's top five prospects by position previewing the NFL combine 
We'll stay on the offensive side of the ball and get into running backs next, huh? Yeah, it's not as much fun of a conversation as it usually is this year, but let's do it. Uh, I think everybody needs to know these top guys, and uh, I've written up my top five at all the offensive positions as well as defensive tackle, and I'll probably start getting into the edge guys today or tomorrow. I'm dreading that one, though. I don't know how to narrow that down to five. <laughs> There's, that's a really good edge class. Yeah, it's There'll awesome. There'll be a lot yeah. of edge defenders, a lot of offensive linemen taken in this first round, I have a feeling. I think so, too. I think the edge guys are going to really go. Thanks for making us your first listen. By the way, for your second listen, check out Matt doing Locked On Dynasty Football. It's draft season, so Locked On NFL Draft in full swing every day right here on the network and free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Matt and I back tomorrow right here. Peacock and Williamson.